0: From beautiful downtown Milheim. In the smack dab center of the Keystone State, this is Lou Bryson with Seen Through a Glass, the podcast that's mostly about drinking in central Pennsylvania. Welcome to episode 14, The State of State College Brewing. There are currently six breweries in State College and the nearby towns of Belfont and Bullsburg. Otto's Pub is the oldest, Bull City the newest, plus Anti-Fragile, Axeman, Happy Valley, and Robin Hood, and Voodoo Brewing's Taproom. There are three other breweries in Center County, the Dead Canary in Phillipsburg, Blonde Bistro Brew Works in Zion, and Elk Creek here in Milheim, but I took a tight focus on State College and the two satellite towns of Belfont and Bullsburg. Dead Canary, Blonde Bistro, I'll get to you, and soon. But State College is the center of gravity at the center of central Pennsylvania. It's in Center County, after all. The town grew up around the school that started as the Farmers High School of Pennsylvania in 1855. State College was incorporated as a borough in 1896 and has grown along with the school, now the renowned Pennsylvania State University. State College is the third largest city in the Staglisting Listing Area, after Harrisburg and Altoona. It seems odd to call Belfont and Bullsburg satellites of State College. Both are older, established well before the Farmers High School. Belfont was incorporated in 1806. Bolsburg got its post office in 1820. Belfont was far and away the most important town in the area in the 1800s. But State College overtook it as the college grew and kind of never looked back. And of course, State College was where craft brewing started in this area, way back in 1991, with a place called Happy Valley Brewing. It quickly failed and has no connection at all to the current brewery by that name. Otto's Pub would come next and succeed, but not until 2002. Craft beer has expanded strongly in the past five years, and there are more places coming. I'll tell you all about it, but first, here's what I'm drinking today. What I'm drinking today is Axeman's Mayfly, or Myfly, Bach. It's a Mybach. A Mybach is a special spring Bach that is golden in color. This one actually has a, a nice slight apricot tinge to it, a nice head of white foam. My box are supposed to be maybe a little bit hoppy, especially in America because we love our hops. Mm, I, uh, I drank a lot of this last year. I bought quite a bit of it and I was happy to see it again this year. So let's get into it quite malty on the nose. Um, A little bit of fruit. Oh boy. Uh, Some nice chewy malt there. Almost a little bit of a mineral character. Rich, but not thick. A whole lot of flavor here. This is a really good beer. I liked this last year. I like it again this year. And when this comes out, you're going to have enough time to get over there and, and get some more of it. I might have to go over there this weekend and try the one of those liter mugs of it. Great beer, good flavor, Axeman My Fly Bach. Try it. So yes, there was a Happy Valley Brewing Company before the one that's on Elmwood Street. I'll paraphrase my good friend and longtime Center County resident Sam Conlenick on that, as I wasn't here for its short 14-month lifespan. Sam said, it was an extract brewery, and the beer was universally panned as shite, and it was indeed shite. They served mainly ales during those times when they actually had beer available. Sam's not known for mincing words, but that's pretty much what I heard about the beer, too. And an extract brewery, if you're not familiar with the term, is one that doesn't make beer from grain. They skip the whole milling and mashing steps and use malt extract, a thick syrup that may even already have hop extracts added. I've had good extract beers, but not many. There are also constant and amusing reports of Red Bell, the Philadelphia brewery, opening a state college brew pub. There's even a coming soon sign. It never happened and is a fitting capstone for Red Bell's operatically comic career. I should write a book. So let's draw the curtain on that and moved 10 years ahead to 2002, when Otto's Pub opened on North Atherton, in the building that's now a marijuana dispensary. For more on Otto's, I'll refer you back to episode 2 of the podcast, where I interviewed Otto's co-founder and brewer, Charlie Schnabel, on the occasion of their 20th anniversary. Today, let's just say that Otto's beer continues to be excellent, and their locally sourced food program is a benchmark for the area. I'd happily drop in any time for a glass of Black Stout, and a burger. That's actually a good idea. I might go out there tomorrow afternoon. There was a brew pub in the Gamble Mill building in Belfont for a while, a few years after Otto's had opened, and that's where I met brewer Mike Smith. Mike would go on to start the distilling at Barrel 21. Oh, you know, episode two also has an interview with current Barrel 21 distiller Eric Unruh. You know, you might as well hit pause and go download that now for when you're done with this one. Mike got back to brewing recently, though, at the brand new Bowl City Brewing, and since he has a great perspective on this episode, as a State College native and brewer, I sat down with him for an interview. Hey, I'm here with uh, Mike Smith at Bowl City Brewing. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing great, Lou. Thanks <laughs> for stopping by. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a great day to be out for it. I'm, we might might as well admit, I was here last night, too. So <laughs> well,
1: That's what we <laughs> like to see, is people coming last <laughs> night and early today. right. So. <laughs> right
0: we'll get to Bull City. I wanted to talk to you um, about your career in brewing in Center County and about Center County beer. So where are you from? where did you start brewing? And where have you brewed in Center County?
1: Well, you know, it all really starts right here. Okay, um, I was born and raised in State College. Went to State High, of course. Went to Penn State, graduated from there. And so anyway, I got out of school and, you know, my buddy Kirk had left behind this homebrew set after he moved to California and it kind of sat around for a while we didn't really do much with it and uh all of a sudden you know my brother and I who you actually met last night I think oh. Um, oh yeah maybe you didn't realize yeah no I didn't so he's up visiting from Atlanta but we decided let's let's make a batch of beer for Father's Day right and so we got an extract kit we had no idea what we were doing and <laughs> you know we were i was living up on the mountain over here and so we brewed our first batch of beer right there and you know fermented it in the in our spare bathroom and everything like tried to get this done and you know we bottled it and everything and we tasted it and we're like this is amazing you know we thought this is great and i wish i could go back and taste it cuz i'm sure it wasn't <laughs> right <laughs> i'm sure it was not great at all but i remember my first batch
0: looked awesome
1: right right (laughs) you know and and a lot of it is just we're putting in all that work and like trying to get things right and figure all of this out and so we did and we got it we got it bottled um and then we were going to a family vacation where we were going to see my dad out west and so we flew it out west and uh and kind of gave it to him out there and I knew as we were traveling like I need to like start looking into this little deeper and so I bought uh one of charlie papazian's books oh yeah I started reading i read it on the airplane on the way out to oregon right and so that was the beginning of that bug and i just kept brewing and brewing whenever i could and eventually made that decision like this is the path i want to follow you know after a bit of deliberation decided i'm going to go to school for it. i'm going to go through the american brewers guild program mm-hmm. which is what i chose and uh did that which is kind of a mix of correspondence work up front and then um go up and spend some time in Vermont at uh, Otter Creek um, and kind of uh, with the whole class of all these people that have been doing it from all over the country. So did that and then that led to an apprenticeship at uh, Dogfish Head. Okay. um, And kind of started with that apprenticeship and at the end of that you know was offered a full-time brewing position there and so you know that was kind of the beginning of my uh, craft beer career. Uh, moved from there up to uh, Ithaca to Ithaca Beer Company and brewed up there for quite a while. And that's kind of one of the great things is at all these places that I've been, I've worked with some great people who have different perspectives on how to brew beer, but they're all great and have a ton of value. in you know, just getting that work ethic down, getting the attention to detail and, and where people are emphasizing. And, you know, obviously Ithaca Beer is a decent sized brewery, but it's nothing like a dogfish head. Yeah. Right? And so seeing how different breweries operate. I've I've kind of seen that my path through all of this has gone from being in this huge brewery at Dogfish Head, coming down in size to the Ithaca beer size, you know, and and doing great stuff up there. I mean, working with some brilliant people. And then, you know, for well, we had our daughter, right? Okay. And it's like, you know, maybe it's time to go back to State College. (laughs) And so there were opportunities that came up. And uh, the Gamble Mill that uh, was over in Belfont, or still is in Belfont, but they were brewing, they were starting to brew beer then, or think about it. And so I kind of threw my hat into the ring there, and that's how I ended up back in Center County. Which um, is where I met you, as I, right, as I recall. yeah, Right, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, it was fun kind of starting something. They had bought equipment and stuff and already had their plan, but, you know, kind of developing the beer program uh, from the ground up. That eventually uh, came to an end, as things do. Yep. And... Uh, You know, I had known Charlie over the years over at Otto's a little bit, and we started chatting, and he said, well, you know, we've got this distillery program that we're trying to start up, and would you be interested in that? And it was really a great experience, and then this project came up at Bull City, and when I started talking with Gordy, the guy who had the idea, and I was just, you know, immediately, I was like, this sounds amazing, like, we we can really do something great, do something really unique out here, and something that um, we feel is kind of missing in this community. So, you know, And it's a great location. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And not, not,
0: I don't mean the building. I mean where the, the building is. Yeah, Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, when we started talking, and I mean, it's been, we're well, closing in on five years now from when we started discussing it, we knew we wanted to target Bullsburg, but we didn't really know where. You know, mm-hmm. we, we thought that it's just a great community, a community that we want to be a part of, and a community that we feel that we can positively contribute to. And so we started looking around, and Gordy was the one who found this location. I remember coming out the first time with him and looking at it. And this was all just, you know, a field with a couple yeah. buildings and stuff. And I was looking around and I was just like, I don't know, Gordy, I don't I don't see it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's not my strong suit. And we have a bunch of people involved that have all of these strong suits. And so Laura, Gordy's wife, and you know, very much a huge part in making this place possible, she's a landscape architect in State College here. And he said, well, Laura sees it, and she's really excited. I was like, that's all I got to hear, <laughs> right? If, if okay. Laura sees it, you know, 100% trust. If you see it, because he has that vision as well, 100% trust. Let's just go for it and see. And they were right, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, looking around the place, yeah. 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 So um, let's go back a bit. When you first started brewing at Gamble Mill, when, when was that? Uh, I think we actually started brewing in late
1: 2010.
0: okay. In 2010, who else was open around here? I mean, obviously sure. Autos. Uh,
1: obviously Autos. You know, they've been here since, boy, it must be 2002, I have to think.
0: Yeah, I think they're twenty 21st year, so yeah. 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 Um,
1: So they were here, uh, the Elk Creek guys who okay. were out there, so Timmy Arrington. Yep. Um, boy, let me think here. Is Robin Hood open? Robin Hood was not open when we opened. Okay. They, they opened... You know, a couple deep, years right? in for us, right? Yeah. You know, so I don't know if it was okay. 2013, maybe. I'm, I'm yeah. not positive on yeah. that. Uh, but there wasn't, you know, a whole lot. Yeah. I and, mean, you know, it was, it was really something that, you know, I kind of looked at as, can we build this area up a little bit? It contribute to the, what's already been built. I mean, right. you know, everyone else was making great beer and, you know, we just had to try to find a way to come in and kind of complement that, and, but have our own kind of identity as well.
0: Obviously there are more places, but how else have things changed?
1: There's more places, there are more people coming in with different attitudes as far as brewing goes, mm-hmm. right? You know, like like the guy's down at Anti Fragile now, Apollo's making, putting out some really great beer. And he obviously has a very different approach than what has been here before, yeah. right? You know, really focusing more on like hazies and like put, just cranking it out. He's on a tiny little system, yeah. Uh, which is fun. It allows him to be really nimble and, and do all these things. It's a ton of work, I'm sure, but <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> but you know, that's the price he's, uh, or the, the path that they're on and I think you know they're doing a great job at it um, so there's that but I think also the consumer base has kind of grown a little bit and matured a little bit and um, and gotten to that point with craft beer where they're a little more adventurous than they necessarily were which I think is a great thing to see and I think it's what we you kind of see in general with the whole nation everything needs to develop yeah and you can't just right point exactly. like you can't just Go and bring yeah, out this crazy in. stuff to a market that isn't used to seeing right. it, right? And, they, you know, it's one thing to do it in a large city with a big population, a big sure. market that can kind of absorb that, and you're pulling from that big market. But it's a little tougher when you're in a city like Willingham Sport or State College or... And just know, starting County things up. Yeah. 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 But, you know, I think there has been a lot of growth, a lot of... Uh, as, as consumers to see more what's out there and also get a little more of that adventurous spirit to try things you've never heard of before. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, you know, speaking, again, speaking of before, before, Dave Staub. Dave Staub, yeah. I mean, had a huge hand in he getting did, this you know, area ready for it.
1: Right, right. I mean, he was really responsible in a lot of ways for bringing craft beer yeah. to State College, to Center County yeah. in general. That's, I'm, right? I'm was,
0: just really happy that... Listeners, if you have not listened to the episode with, with the interview with Dave Staub about the origins of craft beer in Center County, you're really going to go back and listen to it. <laughs> I, was, I was just so happy to get that interview. So speaking of, of state college area beer preferences, compare them to other areas you're familiar with, particularly if, if, if a large city.
1: Right, you know, and I think I kind of touched on that where, you know, a large city has such a much larger network, right, a, ne- a larger market, I should say. Yeah, And it allows you to kind of spread out and have a couple more risks out there because you might not appeal to everybody, but you're gonna appeal to you know, half a percent of people in the city, well, that's much bigger yeah. than if we're doing in State College and we're only appealing to half a percent of people. And so I think you can have a little more risks and they're typically ahead of trends a little more than smaller areas like Center County, for instance. And it's something that, you know, I want to make sure I'm paying attention to, you know, see what other people are doing all over the world, really. And hopefully we're not too far behind or, <laughs> or following, right? We, right? we don't want to be followers necessarily, right. but we want to be able to, you know, be innovative as well on what we're doing. And, you know, share things that the area is not used to, but share things that maybe is so far outside of the box. And we're not, you know, I'm trying to make beer at the end of the day, you know, not something that yeah. is, you know, a flavored beer necessary or that's probably not, not that the right way to say it, it. <laughs> yeah. no but it's not, but it's, what not it, it's, th- it's not mine right yes. and it's not kind of where i want to be and you know we'll brew with fruits we'll brew with all these things but there's going to be a balance at the end of the day and i want it to be a beer before anything yeah right and so i think there's a lot of differences there with just the population base
0: there's something else i've, I've noticed about the area and that's I've, i mean i've got a, a thing on google maps where i've got every brewery and distillery in the area i describe as central Pennsylvania. And there's kind of a moat around this area where there's like nothing. Right, right. Um, So we're kind of on our own here in like an area, Belfont to maybe Huntington to um, Lewistown. Right. And...
1: And you're seeing a couple things pop up here and there and it's difficult.
0: But I guess what I'm what I'm really getting at is does that isolation factor into it? Is that
1: another part of being a small market? As I mean, there's not a larger regional market, really. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean that definitely does. And you know, it's it's one of those things we have State College has the population base, which State College isn't big by any means. you know, it's it's no. it's a large town.
0: Yeah, I mean it's right? in, in in league with Harrisburg and Altoona and State College. Those three are yeah.
1: Right, and but it's not you know we don't have this huge population no. center right down the road from us no. and that definitely affects that market um, and you know changes sometimes what you have to brew right yeah that's something we've kind of tried to buck uh, the trend of here like we're not necessarily worried about what we have to brew you know we're and I, I think the market is ready for that now uh-huh. right where we're able to kind of go out and kind of experiment with some things but we still need to make sure we have something for everyone. Um, here, so it's concentrate on what we want to brew and what we think that the market's going to accept and be able to kind of experiment with and kind of check out and maybe maybe learn something uh-huh. right about craft beer in general. Yeah. You
0: know, so, if if there were listeners who wanted to see something, I mean, do they just get in touch and suggest something? Or I'm always open to suggestions,
1: and especially since you know something. That's why
0: that, I asked you because I
1: knew you <laughs> would be. Well, and it's. <laughs> And I might not do it. Sure. You know, <laughs> but, but you'll listen to it. But, but I'll listen to it. Yeah. And maybe I will. Maybe I won't do it this month. But maybe I'll do it in four right. months, right? Right. Um, it's one of the things that I've kind of seen as we've kind of started all of this up is, you know, these beers we've had on so far. You know, we've brewed uh, just 12 batches so yeah. far, right? So we're, we're pretty young. But we haven't repeated a single recipe. Will we repeat a recipe in the future? Sure, I'm sure we will. But at the same time, we want to be able to be really nimble and branch out which means yeah. that's a lot of recipe writing that's a lot of just sitting down figuring out what kind of beer do i want to make right and like it's sometimes it's more of a you get the kind of a writer's block of yeah where do you want to go and so you know I'll, good. I'll, I'll find myself you know listening to suggestions or you know reading you know different periodicals or whatever or sure. uh listening to different podcasts or whatever's going on or even just like going through bjcp uh style definitions and I might not stick to the style but it's like let's just get an idea here what's it gonna be right and like yeah and I might have there might be a style of beer out there that I wouldn't have thought of and just oh yeah we can do that I can write a recipe that's gonna do that and just really kind of dive into writing that recipe and uh, figuring it out so right suggestions are always welcome okay (laughs) all right
0: is there anything that and, and again, we're talking generally about the about the area. I mean, really, the State College area. Uh, is there anything you'd like to see change, develop?
1: Yeah, you know, I'd love to see uh, brewers overall in the area here uh, get together a little. And it's hard. to Get together a little more. Like, build that tight community that some communities do have. Yeah. Right? Of, of all of the different brewers in the area. And it's tough. We're all busy. Right? We're all... We're all working hard and trying to make the best product that we possibly can. Because yeah, and then you about, factor
0: into it that some of you are like 40 minutes away right, from each other. Right. Yeah. It's, it's
1: a right. It's a big region. So, you know, I mean, the guys out at Elk Creek, they're a ways out there. Yeah. You know, but to be able to get together on, you know, a semi-regular basis, just super casual, have a beer, hang out build uh, that community a little bit, you know, I think would be awesome. That'd be a big deal. And I've talked with a couple people about it, um, other brewers in the area, and everybody's on board. It's just, how do we find this time, right, that all of us can do it? And it's an industry where we're putting in a lot of time and a lot of hours, and it can be hard to make that time, but we can just make an hour or two every month or whatever it ends up being. I I think that would be a great thing, and that could work into collaborations, that can work into, you know, just building a strength of, the brewing community here in center county uh which i think would be awesome
0: we definitely have a, the like what, what critical mass for that I right think. for yeah. sure yeah.
1: absolutely so
0: so let's get back to uh bull city you said you haven't repeated any is that a plan was that a plan or did uh, this kind of happen so far or
1: you know we kind of just thought let's start without flagships let's okay. just have a little fun let's uh you know we're we're trying to serve everything over the taps. You know, we're on a smaller system, right? Seven right. barrels. And so we know beer's going to go relatively quick, and it allows us to have a little fun as brewers, and it allows that customer to come in and know something's always new. You know, something's right. always, well, everything's pretty much always fresh just by the nature of this place. Sure. As we get our feet underneath us, you know, maybe we'll find something we do want to do again. Maybe we will find something that we want to have on all the time, and we'll be able to adapt and adjust and see what that is, and it might surprise us. You know, who who knows what it's going to right. be. Like, uh, our first four in the lineup, we had this uh, Belgian Golden Ale, right? And a Hazy, and the West Coast, and a Brown Ale, and... I was thinking going into it, oh the hazy's gonna be king and then the west coast, and then we're gonna have the golden ale. And that golden ale outperformed everything no way. almost every night. Ah. Right. And granted, we have two IPAs on, so they kind of yeah. fair I'll fight split for that line yeah, there. Yeah. Uh but people were just loving that golden and all That's of a sudden great. like, you know, people were seeing like the feedback of everything and some of the guys are like, oh, this is one that we gotta make a flagship. I was like, Well, these are the first four. We can't yeah, right. fall in love yet, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, I just had the Belgian table last night. That was yeah. great. Thank you. Yeah, I yeah, really enjoyed that.
1: And it's and that's, that kind of shows one of the other things we want to kind of focus on is not have everything be a really high alcohol beer. Yeah. Some, you know, have a lot of things in that, you know, three and a half four percent 4% range, 4.5%, something that you can sit down, enjoy our bar- backyard, sit by the fire, have a couple beers, and, you know, not feel like you have to kind of stumble out of here, yeah. right? And we're going to have some stuff and we have some stuff that are higher ABV but we want to have those lower ABV options as yeah. well.
0: Speaking of somebody that's 18 miles away. Thank you. <laughs> thank you.
1: Well, talking about
0: last night, I said I had the the Belgian table. I I also had some of Sam's Goza. Yeah. Wow. Honestly, first straight up Goza I've ever had that I enjoyed right off the bat. Awesome. Thank Didn't you. have to think about. Goza's kind of a weird style.
1: <laughs> you talk a little bit about that and why you decided to make it? Sure. Well, um, I've always liked sour edge of things. Right? Okay. So that's always kind of interested me, and we're going to be doing some mixed fermentation down the road. We're not there yet, and we've got to figure out how that program is going to uh, be managed. Sure. Right? Which is a big thing. Yeah, you got to be so, careful. So, you know, looking at kettle souring is kind of one of those obvious things that we can do there. And also, uh, Lauren Gordy, they really like Goza's. and oh, they, really? They've, they've okay. been talking about it for, you know, maybe not since we started this project, but for the last couple of years, I was like, you know what? You know, one of those first beers we do has to be that just as, you know, kind of a a challenge to myself because I've never done this. I've never done a Kettle Sour. I've Uh, never done a Goza. Oh, wow. Coriander is one of those things that you can overdo super easily and that changes (laughs) everything. And it's it's done at that point, (laughs) right? right. And so I did a lot of research. I did a lot of reading on it. Um, I really spent a lot of time uh, trying to make sure that I can make a Goza and make them proud of what it is, right? As people who really like a Goza. And mm-hmm. I wanted to stick with the base beer and try to make the base beer great. And then, you know, down the road, sure, we'll we'll change it up and, you know, do a fruited version or whatever. Plenty of people do. You know, but let's make a great base first yeah. and figure it out, right? And maybe it's not going to be great, but hopefully it is because I'm putting the work in. It's was
2: so easy to drink, I thought. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. Yeah, yeah. you should be. Yeah. yeah. I guess it shows you just got to take a leap of faith. Once you got in a while. to. <laughs> got to.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially when you look like you I mean, it's a big batch for
1: Bull City, but it's not that much.
0: In the scheme of things, it's not Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Hey, I there. I think our bigger problem is if it ties up one of those fermenters for 2 weeks. That's you, that's you know, a we're, yeah. we're running into problems because yeah. we need to keep cranking it out.
0: So in that case, I, I just and, and some of, some of the listeners and some of the brewers I talked to probably know what I'm going to say next. Have you considered a Rauk beer?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I actually have considered it. Okay, um,
0: and rejected it.
1: That's... No, no, <laughs> okay, <laughs> no. <laughs> I am sure we'll get into that. Okay, uh, at some point, and I'm not sure exactly when that'll be. Okay, uh, but it's definitely. I I love smoked beers. There's a balance in there as well, right? There's and also a
0: definite polarity. <laughs>
1: there's a definite polarity. Uh, but it's one of those things, you know, when we get up to our full tap count, you know, that eight, ten ten taps. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're able to kind of have a little more fun. Well, and right now we can have fun. We don't we don't want to oh, yeah, discourage yeah. that. But, like, yeah. we'll be able to kind of be a little more adventurous with stuff and get stuff that we know is going to be, okay, a smaller it's take a little while. Uh, segment of the population that's really going to be yeah. about it. And, you know, some of that's going to be tied down to weather you know, and, and seasonality and things sure. like that. Um, and when we think it's appropriate to do these things. But, you know, I'm definitely not adverse to doing it. And I'm sure... Uh, I know, I'll travel keep, for keep it. Keep your eyes out and yeah. I'll hopefully uh, make you proud of it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: all,
0: all right, right. Uh, that's about all I had. I, I appreciate the time and good luck with this. I mean, we're. I'll get some pictures of this up on, the, uh, on, on Instagram. You've got a great looking place here.
1: Thank you, thank yeah. you. You know, we've put a lot of work into it. And, you know, the vision was was really a pretty special thing. And once we saw it start coming up out of the ground, it was like, oh my gosh, like it's really happening. The so.
0: decor is really pretty wild. I mean, I, a first for us. I took my wife in the men's room to show really? her the ceiling. <laughs>
1: That's, you know. Yeah, the ceiling's awesome. We found that uh, Penn State Salvage, Bryce Jordan Center, was getting rid of some of their basketball flooring. And so we picked up pallets of it. Yeah, it's pretty and wild. We still have a bunch left over, but we're like, let's just throw this up on the ceiling and not try to recreate a basketball yeah floor. yeah. So it's just kind of it's just it up bits of wood but and when you look around there's so many little unique things around here um you know from some of the bars you know the the, the rails around the yep. side to the bar top to the to the bar that hangs the, above the, the bar, front the front of this yeah so yeah i mean it, it was looking at all these little details and yeah. trying to make it unique and that meant relying on a lot of local craftsmen who Really did some amazing work in this place, and uh, kind of turned it together, and all the way to my wife who designed the wallpaper in the in the bathrooms. Really, yeah, nice. So yeah, it's getting a lot of people involved. Yeah, yeah, it gives it a little character. So I'm sure we'll be back. <laughs> awesome, thanks, Lou. I appreciate you stopping out and uh, chatting with us. A little Absolutely, bit. thank you, Mike. Take yep. care. You too. <laughs>
0: From Bull City Brewing, it's an easy drive on the Bullsburg Road through Lamont to the side by side treat of Happy Valley Brewing and Voodoo Brewing's taproom. It's outdoor drinking season now, which means I'll soon be magnetically drawn to Voodoo for the unbeatable combination of their magically secluded beer garden by Slab Cabin Run and a cold pour of Voodoo Love Child. I don't know why I find Voodoo Love Child so delicious. This traditional Belgian triple aged most untraditionally on cherries, raspberries, and passion fruit hit me from the first sip years and years ago, and it's been a favorite ever since. Add to that a beer garden that sits next to a major two-lane road and a four-lane highway and is somehow still quiet and inviting, and like I said, magnetically drawn. Voodoo doesn't have a kitchen, and they only have a small service bar, but after you get your beers, You can walk over to the Little Alcove by the stairs and order some delicious seafood from Main Bay and Barrie, the fresh seafood market upstairs. Do you want more? Of course you do. Well, you can literally walk next door to Happy Valley Brewing for great pub food and another full selection of craft-brewed beers. I don't know why this stretch of Elmwood Street isn't parked full in the summer. I stopped by Happy Valley last week to remind myself why I should make that pub-crawly little stroll more often and about two sips into my Barnstormer IPA and a couple of cheesy pretzel dunks, I remembered. Solid West Coasty IPA, a great bar, and great bar food to go with it. I will admit I'd much rather sit upstairs in the airy barn than down below in the cellar bar, but the beer's just as good on either floor. Speaking of sitting upstairs, that's where I wound up when I dropped in at Anti-Fragile Brewing, that cozy little spot tucked in between Yummy Cafe and Bagel Crust, on East Calder Way. I was with my family and a couple old friends, so we took our drinks up to the loft overlooking the bar for a little bit of quiet. Anti-Fragile just celebrated a year in business, and the combination brewery-kombuchery cocktail bar seems to have found a devoted fan base. I didn't have any kombucha. To be honest, I struggle with kombucha. But I did try three beers and a cocktail, the maple syrup one I talked about in episode 9. They were all outstanding, the brown ale in particular. The brewer at Anti-Fragile, Paulo Nami, makes the beer in small batches, literally one barrel at a time. That means a lot of work for him, but it also means that for us, there's always a good variety of beers on tap. The kombucha, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic, is made in a separate facility across the hallway. Now let's head up the road to Belfont for the last two breweries, Robin Hood and Axeman. As I mentioned in episode 9, though the food and service have always been good, I had not been overly impressed with Robin Hood's beers before. Competent, not outstanding. But Caleb Peachy's beers made me sit up and take notice recently. Look, anyone who can make a breakfast parfait beer, a kettle sour brewed with milk sugar and toasted oats conditioned on deep breath, Red raspberry puree, strawberry puree, toasted coconut, granola, roasted almonds, and a splash of maple syrup. Like I said, anyone who can make that beer and not have it taste like a glass of glop has my attention. And my dear friends, this beer, what's for Brecky, definitely does not taste like a glass of glop. It's no clean, crisp pilsner, but it's fun. That's what Caleb's going for at Robin Hood. I'll let him tell you about it in this short interview from Belfont, not Sherwood Forest. Hey there, I'm with uh, Caleb Peachy at uh, Robin Hood Brewing in Belfont. Morning. Good morning. So how long have you been here at Robin Hood?
3: So I started here as a system brewer in like 2013. Oh so wow. I, I worked okay. here for I think four or five years the as assistant brewer. And then I went to Rusty Rail for a year. Okay. And then I came back here as the head brewer. So I've been here as the head brewer gonna be three years this November. Ah. So a total of probably seven years.
0: So is this this was your first brewing job? Yep. Wow. My first um, gig. <laughs> and I mean what how'd you how'd you slide into that?
3: Uh I was home brewing okay. for while and I was like you know what this is kind of fun and then I saw a job posting for an assistant brewer here at Robin Hood I was like I'll apply and see what happens sure and then somehow I got picked (laughs) I went to school for police science and that oh really I was gonna be a cop and I thought wow uh, wow that's a switch brewing beer seems more fun
0: (laughs) (laughs) and uh you said earlier you're from Huntington
3: yep Huntington Pennsylvania okay all right small area yeah, yeah. Well, it's all, it's all part of Central PA. That's right.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are your favorites in the lineup here at Robin Hood?
3: Right now, I'm starting to brew more uh, lighter beers like Pilsner's, and I got a Kolsch coming out next week. Seasonal so, thing? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm starting to get in. I'm really liking the lighter beers, but in the lineup right now, I think... My sour beers are probably my favorite because I get very experimental with them. Okay, that's what I wanted
0: to ask about. What do you like to fool around with?
3: Sour beers, definitely. Okay, because you can do a lot of stuff with sour. Beers.
0: And are, are we talking about kettle sours or?
3: Kettle sour, yeah. Uh-huh. Kettle okay. sours and uh, usually lots of fruit and adjuncts.
0: Sure. Yep. I mean, it's it's a thing people love right now.
3: And they sell like hotcakes.
0: Yeah. What what kind of fruit are you putting in?
3: Oh, uh, I just did a. Breakfast parfait sour, actually. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, I used uh, raspberry and strawberry as the fruit. And then adjuncts, I used coconut, granola, maple syrup, um, almonds. Okay. Did, like, a whole parfait thing. Yeah. And I got a sour coming out in two weeks. It's going to be an orange cream popsicle sour. Okay. So, I used a lot of orange puree and vanilla beans and vanilla soft serve ice cream.
0: Oh, people are going to jump on that.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it sells pretty well. (laughs)
0: What um your beer lineup what do you think the the strongest point of your beer lineup is here? What brings people here?
3: I think what brings people here is we're a lot of breweries focus on one thing and for us we have I would say probably 10 different types of beer on tap. Okay. So we got pilsners, ales, lagers, sours, IPAs. So for us it's mainly Anyone who comes here will find something. Find something. Okay. We don't just specialize in IPAs, or we don't just specialize in loggers. We have something for everyone. Cool. Kind of
0: a, I don't know, a little bit of a vague question, but uh, how do you see Robin Hood fitting into the whole state college beer scene? I mean, what's your what's your niche?
3: For us, I would say what brings people here at least is definitely our sour beers. Okay. I mean, people know us. From our fruit and sour beers. Okay. And what really put us on the map was first our IPAs and then we were like, Everyone does an IPA now, so you gotta bring something else to the table. Right. So we started doing that.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. What do you think of the of the area beer wise in general?
3: I love it. And it's growing. Yeah. It's growing in State College for sure. Autos has been here a long time. Sure. Happy Valley is great. Voodoo came into the area. Now we got Bull City and Axeman. Anti-fragile just... Anti-fragile. Yeah. Great. I mean, I hope it continues because it just brings more people to the area. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the Penn State crowd loves it too. Yes. (laughs) I
0: I was going to say, I love the... um, We're getting people making cider too.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cider's coming into the area. It's just... I I want it to grow. Yeah. (laughs) All right.
0: Caleb, thank you very much. Thank you. All right, take care, man. Yep. From archery to axes, let's head back the Logan Branch to Axeman Brewery. Axeman is named for the small village of Axeman, which in turn is named for the Man Axe Company, which built the first forge along the creek in 1828. The brewery's front doors have full sized axes for handles. Full-sized is a good descriptor for Axeman, and if you've been there, you know exactly what I mean. This place is huge, giving Rusty Rail and Mifflinburg a run for its money in size. The main hall stretches over 50 yards and includes an indoor cornhole setup. The bar alone probably seats at least 30 people. There's a loft area and two outdoor beer gardens. You can drink full size too. Leader mugs are available for most beers. The brewery puts out beer in heroic lots, and you'll see cans of their Blue striped Kolsch in most beer stores in the area. It's a good thing that they did have a full-sized brewery and a canning line at their opening, because they opened in early 2020 with that huge taproom and couldn't serve beer because of COVID. Cans and stores got them through until they could open their doors. Now it's full steam ahead. I had a short chat with production manager Joe Jaglowski. Have a listen. Hey, I'm here at Axeman with Joe Jaglowski. You're the, what do I call you, head brewer, production head?
2: Uh, production manager, production lead.
0: Okay, cool. Um, how how long have you been here and where were you before?
2: I've been here for, since the beginning. And
0: how long, how long has it been? I'm sorry.
2: Uh, yeah, we opened in the first half of 2020. We were set to open right as the <laughs> pandemic started. That's right, I remember that now, yeah. So construction hadn't even finished. Once the pandemic hit, everything shut down. All the construction workers left here, so we were just kind of left with wow. an unfinished tap room. Luckily, all the equipment in the back was set up, so we were learning to brew on that equipment.
0: Okay. So, and, and where did you come from?
2: Uh, I worked in manufacturing and production right here in Bellefonte. Oh, okay. For several years.
0: Cool. How would you describe the, the beer line up here? Uh, i mean what what are uh what are your favorites what do you like to experiment with what what are the strong points
2: uh, we have a pretty varied list of beers here uh, my favorites probably blue stripe uh, which is our kolsch Pilatus Pilsner just nice easy drinking beers
0: yeah you seem to have a more um more of the german types than than a lot of other places is that I mean yep. I assume that's intentional
2: yeah we aim to uh, just kind of nailed it, like traditional styles. Not, we, we have some trendy beers, but we try to stay away from hot trends.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, because a hot trend tends to burn out, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I saw the uh, right outside the front door. The, I mean, it's very beer garden. Those are German beer garden tables. Yep. It's that whole thing going.
2: Yeah, we're going for that kind of Oktoberfest vibe out there.
0: Yeah. So you've got the outdoor space there at the front door. You've got a, a deck as well. Yep. And then am I is there anything else am I missing?
2: No, we have this large space inside. Yeah, the large <laughs> space inside is hard to miss. Yeah, and then there's an upstairs loft and okay. then, uh, a deck that's connected to The, the Outdoor loft. deck.
1: Okay.
0: How how do you think Axeman fits into the like the beer scene in State College? I mean what, what I guess what do you guys add? What do you um, what do you bring to it?
2: Uh, I think we're just another great option that this town has to offer. We've got uh, lots of in-house good food um a nice selection of beer or family friendly dog friendly oh nice large, large group group friendly yeah, yeah. yeah
0: how big is the space how many people can you see
2: i don't know off the top of my head i mean good god it's got <laughs> to be like
0: at least 30 seats just at the bar
2: i think the occupancy is like 500 or so. <laughs> i'm not sure yeah
0: yeah all right any any new things coming any changes you see
2: uh, we have a steady a steady lineup of seasonal beers. Um, we just released our summer Hefeweizen, which is quite popular. So that's available right now. Uh, Oktoberfest will be out oh, yeah. by the end of August. We'll probably release that. Our My, our uh, spring lager still available on draft. And we have some smaller pilot batches planned too, so okay. look out for those. We, probably, okay. we release those at least once a month.
0: Cool. So, so you're still you're still messing around with things. Oh yeah. All right, come cool. on. All right, um, that'll do me, Joe. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you. All right. Those are the breweries in the State College area, for now, but more are on the way. Marzoni's Brick Oven and Brewing Company, the brewpub chain owned by Haas's Steak and Sea House out of Duncansville, is coming to the former TGI Fridays on North Atherton and State College. Their fifth place. There has been talk of a new brewery in the old Belfont Armory building on the Zion Road, but past the building being bought for development last year, I haven't heard anything more. Going in the opposite direction, State College breweries going out other places, there's been a persistent rumor that Axeman will be opening a new location in Sealands Grove, And today, I finally have confirmation from owners Rod and Dorothea Stahl that it's, quote, Safe to say that Axeman Tavern is coming to Sealand's Grove summer 2023. More on that as I hear it. So despite the naysayers, who will still try to tell you that craft brewing is a fad, which I've been hearing since the late 80s, it's clearly alive and well in central Pennsylvania. I told you last episode that we were getting our kitchen redone this year. The guys from the Habitat for Humanity Restore came by and picked up our stove and fridge this morning, so I thought it would be a good time to tell you about one of the last meals, sorry, two of the last meals I cooked in the old kitchen. I say two meals because these favorite recipes involve the first meal's leftovers setting up the second, and we do them often. They're also special to me because I created them both, one by adaptation, the other out of whole cloth. We had friends over for a wine dinner, featuring a range of chardonnays, oaked, unoaked, French, and American. We decided to have pork and onions. It's a simple, delicious recipe I adapted from a skillet dish of turkey I found in my go-to Italian cookbook, Italia in Cucina. The original recipe browns a turkey breast tenderloin in butter and olive oil. You remove the turkey, add more oil, and gently cook shredded carrots in the pan until soft. You then add the turkey back to the pan, pour in a cup of chicken broth and salt and pepper to taste. Cover and cook at medium-low heat until the turkey is done. Easy peasy. But I never actually tried that recipe because the recipe noted that a pork tenderloin could be substituted for the turkey and that onions could be added to the carrots. (laughs) Yeah, I just made it with a pork tenderloin and shredded onions. It was delicious. So the next time I used two tenderloins. Long story short, I finally scaled the whole thing up to the point where I was using a 7-pound pork loin and 6 big Vidalia onions and roasting it in the oven. Here's how. Get a pork loin between 4 and 7 pounds. Trim as much fat as you can without going crazy, because it's not going to brown in this recipe. It's just going to be soft and sticky. And I do love trimming fat with a freshly sharpened knife. Peel and trim 6 large onions. They don't have to be Vidalia's, but red onions won't work that well. You can add shredded carrots if you want. Preheat the oven to 350. In a large skillet or wok, heat two tablespoons of butter and a tablespoon of good olive oil. Brown the loin on all sides. Give it a good blast of heat. I even poke it with a pork and brown the ends. Then put it in a roasting pan with a cover. I use our trusty blue agate roaster. Now add a bit more olive oil and cook the onions on medium low. You just want to soften them, not brown them. So cover them and keep stirring and turning. When the onions are soft, put them evenly around the pork in the roasting pan. Salt and pepper the onions and the pork and add a cup of chicken broth. No more than that, the onions will provide plenty of liquid. Cover the pan and put it in the 350 degree oven. Roast for at least 45 minutes and then start checking the roast with an instant read thermometer every five minutes or so. As soon as it reads 150 degrees at the thickest part, take the pan out and let it rest covered for 15 minutes. Carve the pork into half-inch slices and take the onions out with a slotted spoon, leaving most of the broth behind. Serve with mashed potatoes, or as we always say when we serve this dish, potato puree. Oh my yes. Assuming there are leftovers, and that's why I do a seven-pound roast for three people, you're now set to make pork ragu. I was reading C.S. Forrester's Horatio Hornblower books years ago, and his cook kept trying to tempt the famously picky eater with imaginative dishes. Forrester mentions ragouts fairly often, and I thought, I want to make a ragout. Of course, I had no idea what a ragout was, but what I came up with wasn't far off from the slow-cooked French stew. Take the leftover pork and cut it into half-inch cubes. Don't overthink this. Just cut it up. If you also have leftover onions, use them with the broth. If you don't, just chop some up, two or three. Cook the onions in a Dutch oven over medium heat in olive oil with a half teaspoon of tarragon, a teaspoon of oregano, and salt and pepper to taste. When they're soft, add crushed or diced tomatoes, a 28-ounce can, with the juice. Stir in a tablespoon of brown sugar or molasses, and when it starts to bubble, turn the heat back to low and cover. Let that cook for at least an hour. When it's ready, make a package of kluski, those thick egg noodles, and serve the ragu over them. So, so good. I'm thinking of it now. Wish I had some in the freezer. We do still have a microwave. That's the show. My thanks to Mike Smith for a great interview, and to Caleb Peachy and Joe Jaglowski for equally great, but shorter ones. And thanks to Sam Kumlenick and Mike Hiergeist for their help with the historical aspects of this episode. You can find pictures of most of these places on Instagram at stagpodcast, and on Facebook at Seen Through a Glass, where you'll find pictures and links and ways to contact me. I have a coffee button set up in my Instagram link tree, Twitter profile, both are at Lou Bryson, and at the Scene Through a Glass Facebook page and blog. If you like the show, coffee is an easy way you can drop me a few bucks through the internet to help keep this going. Pay for tips for bartenders, gas for the Subaru, and beers, thanks. You can always message me directly on social media to let me know what you liked on an episode, what could be improved, and what central Pennsylvania drinks and food producers you'd like to hear from. No monkeys or anteaters were harmed in the production of this episode. The next episode will be about a town we talked about today, beautiful, historic Belfont, Pennsylvania's home of governors. It's also the home of some great food and drink, and I'm gonna get my lips around it in two weeks. Thanks for listening. And until next time, this is Lou Bryson on *Seen Through a Glass from the smack dab center of the Keystone State.